Anybody who's ever flown in an airplane, not flown the airplane, flown in an airplane, but the airplane pilot and all those guys, uh, if you've ever done it more than a couple times, then you know the drill. I mean, you got it. You know, whenever you go and, and you sit down, you can just um, relax and, and um, get your book or whatever it is and get ready to go. And before we get ready to take off, you know that the, the pilot always says, prepare for takeoff. And then the, 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 uh, the flight attendants always say the same thing. You could probably... Um, could probably say it before they do, but the fact is we haven't paid attention to them in so long. If they changed it, we wouldn't know it because we just, we just don't pay very much attention to that. Diane and I flew to Houston as, um, as you know, uh, two weeks ago, and, um, and I know the drill. So I don't, I don't need for him to tell me anything. I got my cell phone turned off. Diane has got her cell phone turned off. I got my seat back up, right? I've got my uh, seat belt fastened. I learned all over again how to unfasten it and fasten it back in case I had forgotten. Um, and, and, and then he says to make sure that all of your, uh, he used to say make sure that all of your uh, telephones or, or um, cell phones are turned off. And now he says, uh, make sure all of your electronic devices. And on one of our legs of the trip, he started naming iPod, iPad, um, you know, telephone, all that sort of thing. Um, so you got to make sure everything's turned off. Then um, on another one of our legs, he just said, it, basically anything with an off and on switch, turn it off, which I thought was pretty good advice. Cause, but I got that. I flown when I, we were privileged um, to do a lot of flying back whenever I worked with South Carolina a lot, and so I, I don't have a problem with that. I got it. And so we're sitting here, and, and um, I, I take my iPad a lot of, most everywhere I go now for a lot of reasons, but most of the time you see me, you see my iPad, and, and, um, and so I don't need my cell phone. I got it all. I'll put up, and, and um, so suddenly we hear this sound that sounds like some telephone ring. You know how everybody's got little, everybody's got their own weird ring, and um, um, but this is just little dings and ding, ding, dong, ding, ding, or something. And and I start looking at the guy in front of me. Well, he's got a phone, and he starts looking for his phone. It looks to me like it's turned on, and I'm thinking, don't the turkey know how to turn the the alarm off, right? And, um, and he's looking around. Well, Diane um, looks at me and kind of does, does like that. She thinks it's the guy behind us. And then I realized that everybody was looking at me because <laughs> it was the iPad. <laughs> I don't know. I'll do it again unless I turn it off because I don't know where it came from. I don't know where it went. Okay? I just turned this sucker off so I wouldn't be so embarrassed. Actually, what I did... As soon as I found out it was my iPad, I just kind of slipped it over in Diane's lap, right? <laughs> Nobody saw me do that, and I went, turn the thing off, you know? which was just a much easier thing than taking all the heat uh, uh, myself. So, um, but I think, I, think that we actually, I think we actually get it. And yet sometimes, we, whether it's too familiar, I don't know, maybe... Maybe it's, it's too easy or too hard. I don't know, but, but we get it, and yet we still don't get it. I, I, what I'm trying to say is that you know, we can read the Scriptures, Carlos, and we know what they say in any language, and, and we know what to do, and then sometimes we get in a situation and we don't do it. Don't we all? Can I get an amen? I mean, we know what God wants us to do, 
And for some just reasoning besides the medication that I'm on, I just don't do it. And so, um, um, but the point is, I got it. I'm in an airplane, I got it. Now I just need to make sure that Diane turns her, uh, her iPad off the next time, the next time we go. Um, now how does that, that match up with uh, this morning's uh, scripture I want to share with you from Luke, um, I mean from Mark, excuse me, I don't get excited up here, Mark chapter, uh, Mark chapter 8. And um, um, the, the, the background on this is that um, how many of you uh, know that, that there was a time in Jesus' life when he fed uh, 5,000 people with just a little uh, bread and um, fish? How many of you know that? Both of you? How many of you didn't know that? How many of you don't care? <laughs> How many of you uh, know that Jesus um, fed 4,000 people with just a little bit of fish and loaves? Ah, Goldsboro's Christian school people, or Wayne Christian school people, you can tell, right? Because I've heard people say, well, you know, the Bible contradicts itself. It says one time he, he did 4,000, another time he fed 5,000, and the truth is, he did both, as a matter of fact. The scripture that we're going to share together this morning is, is, uh, takes place directly after he feeds the 4,000. Jesus has the 4,000 people, he has a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread, he feeds them, and they get on the boat. Jesus and his disciples get on the boat um, in order to go ahead and leave, and, um, and they start talking amongst themselves. I want to read, uh, though, the scripture for you because it comes from uh, the message. Um, the message is not a translation. The message is an interpretation um, of the scriptures um, by a man named Peterson. So if you're... The, they'll be on the screen, but if you're reading from the King James, there's about, I don't know, a couple of thousand years between these two writings, so that's okay. Up to this point, the 4,000 have been fed. Verse 13 in Mark um, chapter 8. Jesus then left them, his disciples, got back in the boat, and headed for the other side. But the disciples forgot to pack a lunch. Except for a single loaf of bread, there wasn't a crumb in the boat. Jesus warned, be very careful, keep a sharp eye out for the contaminating yeast of Pharisees and the followers of Herod. Meanwhile, the disciples were finding fault with each other because they had forgotten to bring bread. Jesus overheard and said, why are you fussing because you forgot bread? Don't you see the point of all of this? Don't you get it? At all? Remember the five loaves broke for the 5,000? How many baskets of leftovers did you pick up? And they said, 12. And the seven loaves for the 4,000? How many bags full of leftovers did you get? Seven. And he said to them, Do you still not get it? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God for it. As we continue to covet your prayers, when we, um, we did fly to um, um, Houston last week, and we flew on the wings of all of your prayers, we remember, you remember the Sunday before last, we gathered around the altar and, and, um, and had prayer for us, and, and we were going to uh, MD Anderson. And to give you a two-hour explanation in about a minute and a half, 
um, unless you read the blogs and that sort of thing. You may, not, may or may not be able to be up to date on that. But we go to Houston because um, basically the folks at, uh, at Duke has decided that um, I have cancer. And we went, duh, I've had cancer for two years. There are cancer tumor markers that are going up. But there's just one little spot that I've had the whole two years, I think. Um, and there's one little spot that, um, that is showing up. And they don't know what to do with that one spot. We've been trying to get them to do biopsy. And they won't do a biopsy. It's somehow too complicated or too dangerous or whatever it's too. But they won't do a biopsy on this thing. And um, my oncologist said, I wouldn't put you through any more chemo and won't put you through any more radiation. And, and, and this man, um, who's a really smart dude, just doesn't know any better, bless his heart, looks at me and he said, have you ever heard of hospice? I've been doing hospice in Wayne County since there was a hospice in Wayne County. I've been a chaplain for, off and on for, for many, many years. Yeah, I'm familiar with hospice. What you're telling me is I got less than six months to live. And, um, and so we go down to the surgeon, and the surgeon says, I'm not going to do any biopsy here. So basically, we went back to M.R. Anderson not to get um, any kind of second opinions. We went to M.D. Anderson to get some hope and to get some encouraging words and to get some other way of doing it besides the way that they at Duke had decided to do it. And by the way, my really, really good friend and Dr. Chang, she doesn't agree with those folks. She said, we've got a long ways to go. I even got her to admit, tell me the truth, Dr. Chang, you really didn't think I was going to be here this long, did you? And, and she really would rather be a doctor, but sometimes it just plain old person comes out in her, and she smiled and she said, no, I really didn't. We've got a lot longer to go and a lot more things to do. And my very, very, very good friend and Dr. West both said we need to go to um, MD Anderson, which is, by the way, the number one hospital in the world for the kind of cancer that, they ha that I have. And so with your, um, with your prayers, um, we flew to Houston and, um, and had a, 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 two different kinds of scans, um, a PET scan, and then we had another scan on, um, on top of that. And um, we had to stay an extra day. And then he said he would call me, or I'd call him this past week, and we would decide if we do chemotherapy, if we do radiation. Or he said... If this other scan does not show what I think it's going to show, I want to do a biopsy. I said, you're probably not going to get your guys to do a biopsy. He said, well, I'm not going to push them too much because if everything works out the way, I, the way it, it looks just on this scan, we're just going to go straight and talk about chemo and we'll talk about radiation. I've been there and done that. ain't fun, but I can, I've lived through that. I can do that again. Um, but it was, not a, it was not a don't quit. It was not a give up sort of thing. So we went to Houston for some encouraging news, and we got encouraging news. But then on Wednesday, we talked, Dr. Jobley and I talked, and, um, um, and he wants us back this week. So we're going back to Houston this week to actually do a biopsy that nobody else uh, will do. I don't know if it means uh, really good news or really bad news that it's so difficult to do, but I do know that it's good news that we're able to go on and able to continue to, um, um, to try to follow wherever Jesus wants us to, to follow and whatever he wants us, us to do. Um, and, and, and so I think that um, 
I think that, that this lesson, this scripture that I read this morning um, probably spoke to me as loud as, um, as, as any scripture has ever spoken to me. And, and I want you to, maybe, maybe it's just me, but I want you to kind of put yourself um, in these shoes as well. Because I know most of you very well, and I know that you know the drill, and I know that you get it. And like me, sometimes we have a tendency to forget it, but I know that you get it. I know that Jesus knows that, that you get it. I understand all of that. But, but there are times whenever, um, well, there were times when, when I, we'd be like in the car or either I'd be in my chair and die and be hurt, and I'd just kind of turn around because I couldn't hold back some tears. I mean, I just, I just wanted to cry. And I'm, you know, I'm older than that. <laughs> and, um, and then Diane convinced me that we get to cry together. We don't get to cry separately. So now we just cry together. And um, during this last week, I've been, I've been really, 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 really had it on my mind about you know, the future and what was going to go on and that, that sort of thing. And I read, and I read the scripture. And, and, uh, and I'm thinking about it like this. And now, now, you've got it. How many times have I told you? You've got a story, just like I've got a story. I don't care who you are this morning. You've been through stuff, you're going to go through stuff, or you're in the middle of stuff. But stuff happens, amen? And so you, you've got a story on your own. You, we, you know, we know that, um, what we have survived. But, but I thought about this. thought about this. If this story in the Scripture, and you can put your name here, but if this story in the Scripture um, were written with me um, in the boat... It would be like um, Jerry and, and his doctors and, and, and his family um, were, were, were in the boat and Jesus was in the boat and we don't even realize Jesus is in the boat listening to us. It, but the deal is Jesus is always in the boat listening to us, amen? I mean, he is everywhere we go. He hears what we say, which is a really scary thing. He knows those gestures we give to the people in front of us who just cut us off on the, on the highway which is maybe even a scarier thing. He knows all those things, but we get, well, we get it, but then all of a sudden we like, this kind of passes us by. And, and the, scripture would, the scripture would say, um, and they were, they were all in the car, and, um, and Jesus was there, and, and Jerry and all the people around here were, were discussing about what they were going to do and how they were going to handle things and, if, um, you know, if, and, and all that sort of thing. And Jesus turned around and said to Jerry, what are you fussing about? I went, what? And he says, don't you get it? Do you not understand the power of this story and the power of what we've just done and what we've just seen? He says to his disciples, don't you remember whenever we fed the 5,000? How many did you have? Left over, and the disciples said 12. How many, uh, how many when we fed the 4,000, how many did we have left to pick up? And the disciples said seven. And he would say to Jerry, how many times have I answered your prayer? And I would say to him, every time, every time. And then he would say to me, then don't you get, don't you get the lesson of the loaves? Don't you get the lesson of my provision don't you get the lesson of how I take care of you? Don't you understand? 
And then I think that Jesus would talk to me much like maybe we would talk to one of our children or much like he talked to the disciples. And, and he would say to me, um, don't, don't you remember um, early on in life when you were a young child and, and, and you gave your heart to me and, and, and you were praying for um, just God to send you, send you a, a life mate um, that you would love forever? And, uh, and then he would look at me and say, and how'd that work out for you? As he said to the disciples, and I'd say, yeah, I got, I got a, a lady who has a lot more strength than I thought that she could ever have. She, as Lynn Britt says, she's got a lot on the inside more than she thought. And once in a while, she uses that stuff on me. But that's a different story. And yet, and, and then, then I would think that Jesus would, Jesus would say to me, and, and, and have you and Diane not always prayed, you know, for, for, for a, a family? Just, just a good family, and and um, and I'm so proud of Brad and Gabe, who just last Sunday or Latin, well, the other Brad did this past Sunday, but they're able to to preach and do those things, and and um, just so proud of those guys. And and Jesus would say to me, "How did that? So how did that work out for you?" And um, and then Jesus would say, um, "Do you remember that particular Tuesday in May?" Whenever you said uh, yes to a calling of going into ministry, and and you had a good job, and and and, you, and it was not, it was not necessarily on your agenda for your life, but God called. I, God would say, "I called you into that," and um, and I I would say yes, and He would say, "Look around you, then Turkey, you got the absolutely best church family." In all of Christendom, not just Methodism, but in all of Christendom. If you look at so many of the things that we do as his church, that has nothing to do with me. I may have given somebody an idea. We may have served on a team somewhere. But this is just an awesome place for God to work. Because we're not just being in church. We're being the church which is an awesome thing. And I would say, to, and God would say, how did that work out for you? And I, and, and I would say, um, yeah, an awesome place at Gary's Chapel. And Jesus would look at me and then say, don't you get it? How many times have I got to do what I do before you finally get it? Basically, that's what he was saying to those folks in the boat, his disciples. Don't you get it? All this food that we had leftover, and yet, and yet, you're back here complaining because you don't have a bologna sandwich. What's the matter with you? Don't you get it at all? Is there some, something here that, you know, that, that you don't get? He asked him two or three times. So, you don't get it? Uh, several times he went to the, to the disciples, and they just kind of look at him, I, I suppose, probably like I would in a, in a stare, I suppose. And Jesus would do the same thing to me. And Jesus would do the same thing to you. One day, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You can write that down. That's a fact, Jack. And, and, and as joyful as that is, as joyful as that is, um, I don't want to meet Jesus face to face 
and just have him shake his head at me and said, you don't get it. You just didn't get it. I want to look at him face to face, whether it's soon or whether it's years and years and years from now. And so Jesus says to me, you've done good, boy. You, 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 knew, you knew about my provision. You knew about what was going to happen if you just put your faith in me. And over and over again, I've proved myself. That's whenever, that's the answer I want from Christ whenever I meet him face to face. Not that I was afraid or not that I was um, doubted him at all, but that I knew that he did it before. He can do it again. And he can do it again and do it again and do it again. So I never, ever, ever have to worry. I never, ever, ever have to worry about Gareth's Chapel and my family because, because I'm all going to be here just as long as God wants me here which is an exciting, and um, I wish Diane could tell you all the times that I talk, I talk about, um, and then she'll join in the conversation about Gareth's Chapel and, and how good God is, and the world is so messed up, so messed up that I, that I believe that God is, has, has in mind of, of just making Gareth's Chapel um, a better place so that we can make a better place in the world so we just continue to be. I believe with all of my heart that he's going to just use me to do the things that he wants me to do and hopefully to lead this um, congregation of the church. I went to Houston to get encouragement. We're going to go back to Houston next week. We leave Monday and... Um, and don't come back till Thursday. But I appreciate if you would not tell all your um, break-in to your house friends, okay? <laughs> you got, if you got thugs who are buddies, just, just don't mention my name, okay? I appreciate if you wouldn't do that. I got two uh, short illustrations as we get ready to close. Because it's two different people and two different ways of looking at it. Let me see where you fit. I got I actually remembered this from a Max Lucado book from a long, long time ago. But in um, in every airport, there are um, this thing. There there are these things called people movers. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like an escalator, but it don't escalate. It's a flat escalator. It's what it is. You can just step on it after you've tried to find which gate that's always on the other side of the airport than the one that you just got off of, and you've only got a few minutes to catch that plane on the other side of the airport. And so um, um, you, you, you rush, rush, and you're supposed to be so tired that you just step on this people mover, and you can stop, and it just keeps you moving, right? Well, that's the theory I've been trying to explain to Diane. But, but Diane likes to step on the people mover and then move herself. She like, she'll, like, knock people out of the way while they're just trying to stand there, and they're waiting, and she'll push them out of the way to get around to the other side, and... and um, and sometimes I think about the people mover being the Holy Spirit and, and, um, and the Holy Spirit is working in my life and in yours, for real, for, for sure. The Holy Spirit is working and we want him to work a little bit faster, don't we, Minga? We, just, we want him to work a little bit. We, just, we know he's working. We can feel If we just stop, we know he's okay. But we want to take a few extra steps on him. So that we can just keep going. And that's the, that is the, 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 
That's not a bad thing. But let me tell you about the other kind of person that I hope to be and that I hope that you are. This is a story of a little uh, eight-year-old little girl on an airplane. And um, she had two or three of her little, little girl's books and her little comic books and her little coloring books, excuse me, and all that sort of thing. And she was sitting in just a regular passenger seat and sweet little lady sat next to her, didn't know who she was from anybody. Suddenly the plane started to, well, you've been there, the pilots call it a bumpy bumps in the road, but I think 37,000 feet's a long ways from the road. But the pilots say, we're just going to have a little bumps in the road and all that sort of thing. And, and this little girl is still just reading her, her little books and coloring and and um, then it starts going up and down. Have you ever been there where the, your stomach ends up here? And instead of here, you've been there in that kind of turbulence. And this little girl still just coloring and coloring. And, and the, little, the little sweet, um, mature lady sitting next to her said, um, Honey, um, you know, th- is, are you okay? And she just kind of looked at her and said, uh, Yeah. She said, Well, I know you, you, know, you would be a little bit f- afraid because of the, you know, the wind and the way the plane is doing. You, you, I know you're afraid. And the little girl looks back to the lady who's talking to her and said, no, I'm not afraid at all. You see, my daddy is the pilot. And Jesus said, what about this you don't get? What about this sickness, dear, you don't get? You, I got you. Everything's fine. And it's always going to be fine as long as you just let me take care of it. Lord, let it begin with Jerry. I want to do something a little bit backwards. Is it, are these this ones? There you are. I don't think that was correct English. It's these, this ones. Where's the other ones? Oh, thank you. What I want to do is, um, is I, I want to read these so that we'll know to pray for these people out loud. But then uh, I want to ask my church family to um, do what they did for Diane and I um, last two Sundays ago. And I asked Gabe and Donna and Diane um, to come forward. And you remember a couple of weeks ago when you could just hold out your hand if you didn't feel like getting up, but if you want to come and lay hands on us, then um, we want you to do that. Um, so that Jesus can say, hey, I think you got this one. I think you understand this part. When we pray, let's remember Mike Sutton, who has a brain tumor. Pray for the Ted Bowden family. Ted went to heaven yesterday. And as Miss Faye Smith says, no more pain. No more pain. Amen. Let's remember Joanne Davis. Um, Her cancer is back for the fourth time. Her spirits are really low, 
Faye, you need to get a copy of this and take it to her. He did it. If she, if, you know what? If he's come back four times, you know what? He can come back a fifth time and he can still, he can still run that stuff off. Let's pray for Joy Fields. Um, it was Julie's aunt from South Carolina who had a knee replacement and then developed lung problems after surgery, which all, a lot of times happens. We get surgical complications after that. For Julie Cannon's um, aunt. We'll pray for uh, Carol Davis, who has ALS. That's a tough one. Gwen Shiver's uh, mother and Kayla Harris's grandmother, uh, if you didn't know. Uh, if you didn't know. Um, and I'll get that to the side. Somebody just simply wrote, pray for my family. We need strength and guidance. Don't we all? Amen. Well, let me just tell you. He'll give it to you. He'll give you strength. He'll give you guidance. Um, and then he'll look at you and say, don't you get it? And if you leave this place today feeling sad, you, you missed it. You missed it. If you leave this place feeling worried or aggravated or you missed it, you, you just don't get it, as he says. What I want to do now is, um, is, is ask you to come forward. Now, that for the acolytes, I'll, we'll take care of the candles. They can go relax, okay? But Carlos, I want you to do me a favor. Um, my family is coming up. And um, then everybody else is going to come up. I want you to, to say a prayer for us um, after everybody gets here. Okay? Everybody can come forward and just lay hands on us. Just pray a prayer for healing and a prayer.
May the Lord have His face to shine upon you so that, you know what, this isn't just my story. It's yours every day. Every day. Let's get it and hold on to it. Leave this place smiling, laughing, and with all of the confidence. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Carlos.